Well, as our world spins out of control, uh, we feel like our vision as a church is to turn the tide. And to do that, we know that we have to continue to launch more campuses to reach more people for Jesus. It's all a part of our vision to reach the entire valley for Christ. It's a big vision. And so I want to give you just a couple things that are coming on the horizon and I ask you to be praying with us. As you know, today we have 12 campuses meeting all across the valley. And sometimes people don't realize that we still have all these campuses and they're all doing really, really well. But what's coming up uh, later this year is we'll launch our 13th campus, our CCV Maryville campus. It's right next to GCU, and we can't wait to reach that community, reach students at GCU, and uh, we, we really, really can't wait. Also, in the spring of 2023, we'll launch our CCV downtown campus. It's right in the heart of our city, and it's in a historic warehouse district that is very, very cool. You need to know that these two campuses, though, are delayed um, compared to what we had hoped their timeline would be. I'm not sure if anyone else has built anything over the past couple years, um, you've done construction. It's frustrating uh, with permitting and trades and materials, and so please pray with us that these would just all kind of get open because we think people need Jesus um, in these part of, uh, of our city. And these are, this is, these are parts of our city where there's not a lot of churches at all. But sandwiched in between these two campuses, we have a, a surprise campus that popped up. And it was something that we didn't have planned and God just opened this door. And so I wanna uh, tell you about it today. What happened was back in May of this year, a pastor friend of mine in the Valley who pastors a great church, they had three campuses um, all across our city and he contacted me and their church was going through a really difficult season. And what he told me is he, he just really believed that they didn't sell one of the campuses he thought they might lose all three. That's just how the situation was. And so we started talking, and one of the campuses, um, we knew that we should probably look at it as a church. And we also knew that if we didn't purchase this campus, uh, the campus would likely turn into something that wasn't a church. And that broke our heart. It broke his heart. So we started working together, and I'm really excited to announce that Later this year, we will launch a second campus in Scottsdale called our Central Scottsdale location. Um, it's right off the 101 in Cactus in a different part of Scottsdale. We're gonna keep our current Scottsdale campus and we just know there's more room to reach more people in that part of our city as well. So we're, we're excited about that. It's uh, great that God opened that door for us. On September 18th, that's a Sunday, um, I'll be at that campus and we're gonna be doing a vision talk. Um, I'm just gonna share some vision for that part of our city and it'll be at 11.30 a.m. that day. So if you know someone, um, they can hop online or text info to 7-2020. And uh, I'd love for anybody a part of that, that part of our city to be a, a part of that. But just to put this in perspective for you, um, in the next 12 months, uh, we're gonna launch three campuses. There's actually a fourth campus I didn't tell you about, and I'll tell you about that later. Um, but it just means this. I wanna ask our church to pray. We're stepping out big because we believe time is short, and it's not time for the Church of Jesus Christ to sit back. It's time for us to move forward if we ever wanna see our tr city transformed for Jesus. I also wanna thank those of you that give so faithfully and generously. The only way we can do this is... Um, through your faithful giving, and especially because we just had a campus pop up that we were not planning for. 
And so this would be a great time for those of you that have been on the sidelines with giving to say, I love my church and I wanna give because I wanna see more people find Jesus. And if that's you, I'm just gonna challenge you boldly to do that because we need everyone giving generously so we can see our city transformed, okay? But can we just thank God for what he's doing in our church? Um, I'm, I'm so thankful. He, he gets all the credit for that. It's, it's really him opening the doors. Well, we're in this series, The World's Been Badly On, and I, I thought I'd just start today with a question for you. Um, just really honestly, how many of you, when you look at our world spinning out of control today, today how many of you feel um, that it can be a little lonely being a follower of Jesus today? Anybody? You know, it's, it's, it's sometimes natural. We can just feel like maybe I'm the only one out here, you know? Uh, maybe you feel that in the dating world. Some of you are dating going like, where are they all at? You know, maybe you feel it in your community or workplace. Um, I feel this, you know, sometimes. In fact, last weekend, I started to feel like maybe I'm the only one. What happened was, not, not the only follower of Jesus, I was walking around CCV wondering if I was the only person that cheers for the NFL team Jesus loves. Like, I thought, am I the only one? I started count. I just started counting jerseys, okay? I saw, I, I saw a Chicago Bears jersey. I saw a Miami Dolphins jersey. I saw a Green Bay Packers jersey. <clears throat> and then, this is hard for me to say, because it just hurts. And then I saw a Seattle Seahawks jersey, and you know who you were, okay? Um, in fact, later on in the week, I was in the gym, and some guy caught me, and he goes, hey, hey, I just got one thing to ask you. I was like, what, what can I do for you? He's like, just please keep it easy on the Seahawks this year. And I'm like, there's no chance I'm doing that, you know? <laughs> And I, I told him, I said, you're only saying that because you know they're going to stink this year. That's the only reason you're saying that, you know? But I just started to think, like, am I the only person that cheers for God's team in this? Am I, am I the only person that loves the Cardinals in this church? Do we have any more Cardinals? Thank you. Thank you. I was like, now I feel so much better, you know, about myself. But isn't it easy in life, though? I mean, all joking aside, isn't it easy in life to think, maybe I'm the only one? And as we pick up the story of Elijah today, this is where he's at. One of the greatest men of God starts to believe, maybe I'm the only one. And it causes him to seep into the deepest depression. He's sitting on a tree actually wondering if he should continue in life. And he almost walks away from his faith. And remember, this is one of the greatest men of God in scripture. Like when, when John the Baptist came, it says John the Baptist came in the spirit and power of Elijah. When Jesus came, people thought, maybe this is Elijah. And here we find a man of God almost, almost throwing it all away. And as we ended last week, at the end of chapter 17 in 1 Kings, this is where we've been in 1 Kings, um, Elijah has just defeated 450 prophets of Baal. I mean, it's like the Super Bowl. The streamers come down. I mean, he is on his high of highs. Mark gave a great message last week. He, Elijah prays this bold prayer. It starts raining again. I mean, everything's going well. And literally, as we pick up chapter 19, three verses in, within 24 to 48 hours later, Elijah is asking God to potentially take his life. And it's not hyperbole. He's serious. And the question I want to answer today is this, looking at 1 Kings chapter 19, how does one of the greatest men of God almost crater his life? And I believe God is going to use his story to speak to someone here today because you're getting ready to crater your life doing the same thing 
Elijah did. Let's, uh, let's pick up the story in uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 46. It says this. This is the end of chapter 18. It says, the what? The power of the Lord came on Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. This is, now, he just got done defeating the 450 prophets of Baal. He ran 16 miles. I mean, he is like, cue the rocky music. Everything's going well. Three verses later, three verses, within 48 hours probably, this is what happened. Verse three of chapter 19, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. He went from power to being a little puppy in his faith. What happened? If you are taking notes today, the big idea of what happened in Elijah's life is this. Elijah did not stop believing in God. What Elijah did is Elijah stopped connecting with God's people. In my opinion, is this is the state of Christianity in America today. I do not believe, and don't, don't believe even the stats, there are not thousands and millions of people today going, I don't believe in God anymore. What is cratering people? We have people disconnected from God's people. People disconnected in their church, people coming to church and going home all alone and not doing life in community. And this is exactly where we're gonna see Elijah today. Now, in chapter 19, verse three, it says he was afraid and ran for his life. Why was he afraid? Well, if you read verses one and two in chapter 19, one woman, Jezebel, threatens him. Now, I know women can be mean sometimes, but seriously, you just got done defeating 450 prophets of Baal. One woman's gonna threaten you and you're gonna run for your life? Look, what, what is going on here? The word afraid, when it says Elijah is afraid, it's a very specific Hebrew word. It's interesting because there's other Hebrew words that also are translated as afraid in the, in the Old Testament, and they mean to tremble, to shake, to be like, oh! This is not the word that's used for Elijah here with afraid. This Hebrew word afraid means to perceive something around you. So Elijah has perceived something around him that has caused him to run for his life when he should be standing strong in his faith. What changed his perception? Hold that thought. But Elijah runs for his life and he runs 100 miles away. He runs to a town called Beersheba. Let me just show you where it's at on a map. It is the southernmost city in all of Israel. The furthest city away from civilization is where Elijah ran. And it says when he ran to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. The last guy, like his last piece of a community, he ditched him, verse 4, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Walked another day into the wilderness. You know how some of you threaten, um, I'm gonna buy land in the mountains and I'm gonna escape society. You know who you are. That's what Elijah did. He did it. It goes on, it says that he, he came to a broom bush. You might be like, what's a broom bush? A broom bush looks like this. This is what a broom bush looks like. You can still see it in Israel today. Just an isolated tree with some shade. It says he sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. What? Listen to him whine to God. I've had enough, Lord. Just take my life right now. I'm no better than my ancestors. No, this is a different Elijah. Elijah. 
This is not the guy, if you've been in this series, that just called down fire from heaven a few days earlier and like called the people to stop wavering. Now he's all alone under a broom tree, like whining, asking. He's in a deep depression. What happened to him? Well, you can read the whole chapter for yourself this week, but what God does next is God says, Elijah, why don't you take a nap? <laughs> Sometimes, you know, like, take a nap. Get some food. And then you know what Elijah did? Elijah went almost another 100 miles from Beersheba down to Mount Sinai. Now, this is the same Mount Sinai where God met Moses to give him the Ten Commandments. And Elijah goes down there. He crawls into a dark cave all alone. And remember, we want to understand what's Elijah's perspective that has caused him to almost crater his life. Listen to it. Verse 10. He replied, no, verse nine, the Lord came to Elijah in the cave. And here's what God says. What are you doing here? All alone. Verse 10, listen to Elijah's perspective. He replied, I've been so very zealous. I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I mean, it's so rough out here. And then he says this, I am the only one left. I want you to remember this line, so I want you to say it out loud with me all together. Ready, one, two, three, what? I am the only one left. God, I'm the only one. And it is 100% not true. Let me just take you back one chapter in the life of Elijah to show you this. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 12 through 13, a man named Obadiah comes to Elijah and he says this, I, your servant, have worshiped the Lord since my youth. In other words, Elijah, you're not the only one. And then he goes on to say this, haven't you heard, my Lord, what I did while Jezebel, that's the wicked woman chasing Elijah right now, was killing the prophets of the Lord? I hid a hundred of the Lord's prophets in two caves, 50 in each, and supplied them with food and water. In other words, Elijah, don't even get close to saying I'm the only one. There's me and there's a hundred other prophets just like you. Now here, when I read that, here's the million dollar question to me. When Elijah says, God, I'm the only one. Why didn't Elijah, in the midst of his depression, his world falling apart, him almost walking away from his faith, why didn't he go to these hundreds of people that God had around him that he could have done community with, life with, why did he run all alone? He did it for the same reason that so many of us run and run solo in our faith. And what I want to do today is I want to show you three reasons from the life of Elijah that we often isolate versus engage in Christian community. And remember, when I say community today, I mean followers of Jesus that can sharpen you. I don't mean your drinking buddies. I mean the people that can, that can sharpen your life that you're doing real life with, like in a circle, not a row, why do we often isolate from that versus engage in it? 
Let's look at the life of Elijah, and I think someone can relate here today. Here's, here's reason number one, I believe. We've become too comfortable being isolated and just operating solo. We become comfortable. What happened in Elijah's life? You remember week one, if you're here week one, we talked about when God was preparing Elijah, you know what he did? He took him to a place called Kareth Ravine. Do you remember this? Kareth Ravine, Kareth in the Hebrew means to be cut off. So what did God do? For a short season of Elijah's life, he took him alone, cut off, kind of pruned some people out of Elijah's life, took him alone and wanted to prepare him. And by the way, God does sometimes that with our lives too, right? There may be seasons of life where God prunes some people. You kind of feel a little isolated and God uses some of that season to prepare you. He did it with Elijah, but here's what you need to know. While God might prepare you for a short season in isolation, he will never ever sustain you or grow you being isolated from Christian community. There's no model of that anywhere in scripture. But I believe when Elijah was in Kareth Ravine, this little short season where he was alone, I think he got comfortable. He got comfortable being alone in a cave, and now he, here he is back in a cave all alone. And by the way, I think some of us have become way too comfortable being alone. You know where it happened? It happened the last couple years during the pandemic. What happened was for a very short season of, line, uh, of time, in the grand scheme of things, for a very short season of time, many of us got cut off from, from community. We were alone. And you know what? We got to like it way too much. And here we are, we're still operating very solo in so many ways. The truth is, many of us go to church online, we shop online, we get our meals delivered to our, house, our, our houses online, we work from home online. When we go to the grocery store, we don't even get out of our car. We do the trunk delivery, give them the, the number, they put it in our trunk, we don't even say hello. Like we are way too comfortable. It feels convenient. My wife, uh, three weeks ago, we were sitting down in the living room. She was like on her computer and she goes, oh no, oh no. And I was like, what, babe, what happened? She said, Sam's Club just canceled their free trunk delivery when you go to the parking lot. I was like, oh no, you might have to go in the store and talk to someone. I did not say that to my wife, by the way. <laughs> I am way too smart of a husband to do that. Although I did just say it on stage, honey, I love you so much. Okay, I love you so much. I mean, she has great, great community, but isn't it funny how comfortable we get being isolated? And some of us are living our Christian life that exact same way. And what I wanna tell you boldly today, and I, I will not mince words, if you are here today and you come to church and then you go home and you do not have strong Christian community during the week, that is one of the most dangerous places you could ever be in life. It's where Elijah is. It's, it's why his life is falling apart. And for a lot of us here today, the reason that we feel so worn out, the reason you're struggling with depression or anxiety or other mental health struggles, or maybe even an addiction, or your marriage seems like it's falling apart, or your, your work or your life just seems out of sorts, please hear me today, hear my heart. 
the root cause of most issues in our life is a lack of strong, remember that word, strong Christian community. Strong Christian community. And by the way, that, that's just not what scripture says. It's not even just my opinion. That is a scientific fact. You say, prove it. Okay, I will. Because science is always catching up with God's word. Always. This month, and I read the, I read the study this week. This month, just this month, the American Heart Association released a whole study on the dangers of isolation, isolating yourself. And I'll just give, I'll just give you the summary of the whole, whole study. Here's, here it is. Over four decades of research have clearly demonstrated that social isolation and loneliness are both associated with adverse health outcomes. They're both destroying lives. You'd say, well, how? Like, what, what, what stats? Well, how about, a, how about a few? I'll just give you a few of them. There's a 29% increase in heart disease if you're isolated, a 32% increase in strokes, a 50% increase in dementia. And this is the one that breaks my heart the most. There is a direct, direct correlation with depression, anxiety, and struggles with mental health and those that are isolated. And we wonder why our world is spinning out of control. And by the way, that's just not the American Heart Association. The CDC confirms this in studies. Harvard confirmed this in their scientific studies. The American Psychological Society confirms this. Every single study confirms this. What are they confirming? Isolation is literally killing us. It's killing us mentally, physically, and most importantly, spiritually. Some of you feel so spiritually dry because you've isolated yourself from community. The greatest destructive force of the pandemic of the last couple years will be the continued isolation of people that don't snap out of this, that have become way too comfortable. You know what experts call the current generation? They call it the loneliest generation because we have substituted real community with spending time on social media and it's a joke. We spend more time on social media than we do interacting with real people that could actually help us and do life together. And by the way, those people need us as much as we need them. And some of you are sitting there today going like, whoa, back up, like back off just a little bit. I'm in church right now doing community. Guys, being in a row in church, consuming content like you are right now, that's not community. Community is when you get in a circle in your home or southern environment with a smaller group of people and do life together. Now this matters. This is, this is a transformative environment being here in church. It matters that you're here in person, I believe. But you can't walk out of here in person and think, I just got some great content. Like it's gonna, my life is forever gonna be. No, you gotta take that content into community. Why? Because content can't transform you the way community can. And I'll prove it to you. If content transforms you, we have more content at our fingertips than any time in human history. If content transforms you, all of us would be millionaires with abs of steel and never have to work another day in our lives. The content's there. Don't fool yourselves that just consuming content 
transforms you. It's always about community. And Elijah got used to being isolated. And so have some of us. That's the first reason. The second reason that so many of us isolate versus engage in Christian community is we believe this. We believe the lie that no one can relate with our situation. Remember when Elijah tells God, God, I'm the only one. What's he saying? God, in some ways he's saying, God, no one else can relate with my situation. I mean, look at me, God. I mean, I had to take on the 450 prophets of Baal. You know, I'm, I, then Jezebel, like she's threatening me and I have to run for my life. I mean, who else has ever had to run from their life, for, from a woman, right? Who am I? I think God's up in heaven going, really? Really? Like what about those other hundred and prophets of Baal that hid in a cave where you're at right now that they ran from the same woman you're running from right now? What about them? Oh. See, sometimes in our pride, we like to act like our situation is so unique that no human in human history could, has ever really been through what we've been through. I started writing down some th- things. I mean, you know, we could say something like this, like no one's had this bad of a breakup. <laughs> <laughs> no one's experienced this painful of a divorce. No one's suffered the kind of abuse I suffered as a child. No one's fought this bad of an addiction. No one's struggled with the mental health struggles I have. I mean, it's so unique. No one's struggled with their kids like I have or their in-laws. And surely no one's struggled with their in-laws here, right? You're like, shh, I'm sitting next to them right now. Like, shh. (laughs) In my leadership, I mean, I have leadership challenges that no one can relate with. And I think God wants to smack us could you really think that you're that unique and, and there's not other people around you that, got, that could relate with you? And can I be transparent here today? Can I tell you I struggle with this sometimes? I'm just gonna be super real. It's the only way I know how to do it. There's times, like in a dark place, I can get to this place where I say, well, you know, there's only about five churches in America the size of CCV. I mean, with, so I, I don't, there's no one that can relate with my challenges and the pressure I feel and the, the struggles and man, just really trying to, this city and trying to, re, I mean, no one, no one can relate with that, right? Organizational pressure, I mean, that's a lie. There's hundreds of you here today that understand those leadership pressures. <laughs> what a joke that we, we get to this dark place and it, it puts us in a victim mindset. We think we're the victim and it separates us from society and I even hear this sometimes. You ever hear this? We're living in unprecedented times. Unprecedented. Do you really believe that? If you do, I I challenge you to go study the history books. It's why history is so important that you study history. I mean, we're looking at a guy named Elijah almost 3,000 years ago that dealt with the world spinning more out of control than we've ever thought our world spinning out more out of control. You really think what we're dealing with is unprecedented? Yeah, but we had a pandemic. Uh, There's been hundreds of pandemics in human history, most of them 10 times worse than anything we've ever experienced. Yeah, but they didn't have to wear a mask. I mean, no one's had to wear a mask before. Mm. 
Well, let me take you back to 1918 and the influenza pandemic 100 years ago. Oh, they wore masks too? This is a baseball game. People in the stands wearing masks. These are baseball players on the field wearing masks. Oh, so it's not unprecedented. You know what? I think, I think the moment you convince yourself that no one else can relate with your situation is the moment you isolate yourself from community and is the moment destruction starts happening in your life. This is what happened to Elijah. It can happen to us. Here's the, here's the third thing that causes us to isolate versus engage. This happened to Elijah too. We, it happens to us. We forget just how many people God has for us in community. I mean, we, we couldn't even fathom the number of people that God is just waiting to connect you with in community that could relate with you, that you'd connect with, that would become people that would sharpen you more than you could ever imagine. And what, what happens to Elijah? Elijah's in this cave. He says, I'm the only one. And God asks him a second time after he whispers to Elijah. It's a very powerful moment. But God asks Elijah a second time, what are you doing here? And Elijah gives the exact same response. I'm the only one. And I think God gives up in Elijah's grill. I don't know how he said this, but listen to God's response. Elijah, go back. Go back the way you came. You're 200 miles away from civilization, all isolated. Get back into community. Elijah, I didn't transform your life outside of community, and it's not going to be sustained outside of community. And he's going to say the same thing to someone here today. And then, and then God starts listing off people. He says, I don't just have Obadiah, these hundred prophets that can relate with you. He says, I've got Jehu, who's going to be the next king. I've got Elisha, who's going to be your successor. And, and by the way, to, to just kind of prove God's point, in verse 18, God says this. And by the way, Elijah, lean in. I've reserved seven thousand people who haven't bent their knee to Baal. You really think you're the only one? There are thousands of people you could relate with. And you're a part of CCV, by the way. Do you know every single weekend we have between 35 and 40,000 people? And that's just here who's, who's here on the weekend. And, and, and you know, if we got all of our church together, it'd probably be 70, 80,000 people. Do you understand the number of people that God has for you in community? You couldn't even fathom it. You just have to reach out. And God's gonna call someone here today to go back, to get into a CCV group and to find real community. And I wanna show you the life story of someone who didn't have it, who took a step and how it transformed her life. Watch this. I married a man who had a great heart, but was not a believer. Um, I didn't really have any friends, didn't have a social life. I poured my life into my daughter, and um, I was really, really lonely. There was a point when I knew something was wrong, like one morning, and so I asked my husband at the time to sit down with me, and he just told me that uh, he wasn't in love with me anymore and he wanted a divorce. And I'm an all-go, no-quit person, um, so I didn't take that. I don't believe in divorce. So I felt very undesired, unloved, unwanted. Um, 
ashamed. Uh, that was a really dark time. Um, so we really tried, and we couldn't get really anywhere with that. So my friends in my bodybuilding network, they were part of a small group. They invited me to their daughter's birthday party. Their small group was actually there. And during some conversations I had with some of the people there, um, I poured my heart out to them because of what was going on. Um, and they were like, have you, have you tried maybe getting into a small group? I guess she got up, had a conversation with Danny, uh, the leader's wife, and Alyssa came back and was just like, just so you know, we're gonna see you next Wednesday. In that moment, uh, I felt wanted and loved and cherished and um, chosen. So we went to group, uh, me and my ex-husband. Um, he didn't really wanna go, but we went. In that, like Danny would sit with me often, um, making sure that I was making the right decision, fighting for my marriage while also understanding this is what he's choosing. And so be at peace. And I remember the night that I announced we're getting a divorce and they just sat in it and allowed me to grieve and sit in the pain and work through it and be vulnerable and not judge me or shame me. The one thing I would say, well, I, there's a lot of things I would say about my group, but the way they protect each other's hearts, I've never seen, ever. They will fix your crown, not tell anyone, and also make sure it's scripturally based. There were just times, even at group, where I didn't want to go. And I remember one night, Wednesday night, I was like, I'm not going. And I was late, like 10 minutes late. Uh, um, and Alyssa calls me and she's like, hey, where are you at? I'm like, I'm not doing well. Like, I haven't showered. I have, my makeup's everywhere. My hair's a mess. Like, I'm not going. I'm not in a good space. And she's like, um, you're definitely coming. We want you there. We don't care if you smell. <laughs> um, but she's like, you have two choices. I'm either coming to get you or you're going to get in that vehicle and you're going to come. And for a person to care enough, know where my headspace is at, and to care enough to make that phone call and protect, protect me in that way, I've never had. And during that time, I actually met my husband. That being said, uh, he, yep, he courted me, dated me, all the things, uh, came to small group, they welcomed him too. I mean, my group is so phenomenal. They just are. They're so good to me. They've become family. So much so, three of them from my small group were standing beside me as bridesmaids in my wedding. How they've shown me Jesus is he's not just this, you know, this book that is a myth or a story that's told that we can learn life lessons from. He's active, he's alive, and they show it each and every day in, in what they do. Not powerful. I, I love that story because it's the story of so many people at CCV. And if I could just have a pastoral moment with you for just a minute, if you could rip my heart open as a pastor, 
I want that for every single one of you. And so I, I want you here on the weekends in person because I think that's the most powerful way as a church for us to learn together. But then you need to take what you're learning into your week and find a CCV group that you can do life together and take what you're learning on the weekends and apply it during the life. And even for those of you who for some reason right now have to attend online, whether it's a health issue or some other reason, we even have ways for you to get plugged into community. But I want community for every person at our church. And what I know today is this, there's about 50% of you here right now that don't have it. You're, you're like Elijah. You haven't stopped believing in God, but you've stopped connecting with God's people. And it's destroying your life. It's destroying you. And you just have to come to admit, admit it and just be honest. You're only as good as you are honest. And I get all the excuses too. I mean, you, know, you, you don't have time. You know, you got the kids in sports, all these things. And I want to tell you very boldly, you don't have time not to make time to get into a CCV group, to get into community. Because you know what takes time out of your life? What takes time is, is marital issues. What takes time is a, is a wayward child. What takes time is mental health problems, an addiction, an affair. That's what takes your time. Being in godly community doesn't take your time. It gives you back your time so you can become the man or woman and the family and have the marriage that God wants for you and it's what I want for you. So I'm gonna boldly ask you today to commit, if you're not a part of a group, to join a CCV group. Some of you are part of a group and you know what your next step is? To go lead a new group so more people can have community and God's called you to be a leader, step up. But if you're not a part of a group, I'm gonna challenge you to sign up today and, it's, and as a church, we've made it so easy. We make it, we, we, we're really trying to serve you. If you go on our website or on our app today, you can pull up something called a group finder. It pulls up all of our groups across the entire valley, across all of our campuses. We have over 500 groups today. You can simply click on one of those groups and see if it's gonna look like for you. You can actually like kind of narrow it down. This is a day of the week. This is like the, the place that I, I, you know, that I can meet. This is the type of group. There's lots of ways to filter. Once you filter, click on a group and say, is that the one for me? You know, you might pull up a group and you might say, ooh, like let's check out this one group. Let's click on that group. This is actually like cat lovers that meet on Wednesday, okay? Um, <laughs> You might say, I don't know if that's gonna work for me. I, I, I like dogs. Um, and this is, I mean, good people that love Jesus and study God's word, but they bring their cats. I don't know. So if that, you might say, like, that's not a good group for me. That's fine. Click on another one. There's hundreds of them, right? Hundreds of them. By the way, we don't have a, I don't think we have a cat. Maybe, maybe we do have a cat lovers. I don't even know. But there's hundreds of groups. Just click on one that works for you. This one looks like it works. You click on it. You can sign up. It's very easy. You'll get back, the group leader will get back with you. You sign up, you show up, and you begin to watch God transform your life. By the way, earlier in the service, you saw a QR code. I would just take out that QR code. Um, you, can, you can click on that QR code and use that, and it'll take you right to our group finder. You could literally take out your phone, like right now, and just kind of click on that QR code, and like it's gonna take you to our group finder. If all that seems overwhelming for you, listen, you walk out in the courtyard of any of our campuses, we have a pastoral staff there and volunteers that will help you get connected to a group. Why? Because CCV, with the world spinning out of control, it's never gonna stop in your life until you get community, ever. 
And like Elijah, you can't use the excuses. Like you can't become comfortable. You can't say no one can relate with my situation. And you can't deny that God has hundreds of people waiting in community for you. So I'm gonna pray right now that today your takeaway is you don't leave, you don't let this week slip by without you signing up and showing up to a group. Agreed? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for a church that just is so centered on community. Father, we don't wanna be Lone Ranger Christians. It doesn't work. It's why many of us today, we're wondering, that's why my life isn't going the way I want, because I'm trying to do it alone or with the wrong people. So Father, help anyone here that doesn't have community to sign up, to show up, and would you move in their life like they've never seen before. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. CCV, go out and find community. We'll see you next week.